And we are live. Welcome to episode 21 of Shifted Perspective. In this episode, we are joined by my good friend, scientist, Carl H. Smith. Carl was the first ever guest on Shifty Perspective, so it's great to have him back. Uh, we will be going live straight away where we hope to delve deeper into the abyss that is existence and covering a range of interesting topics without any kind of real structure, I guess, just like last time. So, well, last time I saw you was a while ago and we did speak briefly the other day, but everything good with you? Yeah, well, as best as can be expected in this uh, insane scenario, but I think it's, um, yeah, it's it's revealing a lot, isn't it, in terms of the sort of the 90% of bullshit that we were all sort of doing mm -hmm. uh, has fallen away, and then we're now realising the essential nature of reality as much as we can, and I think it's, yeah, it's a real time for deep reflection, integration, time with your loved ones, looking into each other's eyes. And uh, all the sort of the daily distractions. I mean, even though we are still hijacked and our our, our mm -hmm. attention is completely not our own, and I think that's the big problem with consciousness that we are. When you lack attention, you lack your own consciousness, and I think that's what we need to work on a little bit more and and be careful what what we take in as 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 nourishment yep. in terms of inputs. And uh, one of my friends actually said to me the other day he said he was trying to write a book and his his thing was no new inputs you know and i think that was a beautiful no, thing if if i could do that i would probably be very successful at um, you know getting my books written and all the rest of it but it's you know it's like i'm a big archivist and i'm constantly recording everything and i'm like and i'm realizing only recently that you kind of if you're going to record your life you need to have another life to look at it you know what i mean you don't have time to look yes. back ever like that's why 70 percent of digital photos are never looked at again because you're just mm -hmm. you're always in in a forward motion right so you're you're just you're just creating more garbage more sort of clutter more sort of noise because i think that not only do our possessions hold space in in our mental space but also our thoughts and the recordings of our experiences are also more clutter you know and it's like my friend Jack Alok yep. said, you're bloated, you're super bloated, you know, and I see you've just got into, into collecting art because you've got a nice stable address now. And I'm, I'm a mad, mad mm -hmm. art. First time ever. You know what I mean, it's a beautiful thing to have these beautiful objects around us, but it's like, you know, you, 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 you absolutely realize, you know, behind me, you can see a big record collection. It's got like 10,000 records and it's yep. like, you know, you, you, you realize you do the maths, you know, you, you live for 30,000 days. And that's a thousand wow. months, a thousand months. And, you know, we think we have, we have the audacity to think we own anything. Even our own bodies aren't our own. You know, it's like we're borrowing everything. And like the Egyptians knew, you know, we can't, you can't take anything with you. Although my experiences of sort of touching on near-death experiences and life reviews have sort of made me realize that actually you get your life back as a product that you can infinitely review, um, in order to learn because i think we're in a massive learning laboratory you know it's and do you think yeah. those objects are uh are still part of you and a part of that and because they're all they will build your experiences so well I, yeah no it's a very interesting question i mean i think um my i had a life review where my did i tell you about that i don't think no. we talked about that last time right? life so review a life review it's a very common bit of phenomenology so a lot of people talk talk about in a near-death experience, you know, your life mm -hmm. flashing before you. Um, and mine wasn't a flash. This was like my entire life in reverse. So I, I'd stopped living forward. I'd, no new inputs, right? I'd, I no longer had this um, this new, um, new experience. I was literally living in these episodes of my past. But my consciousness was completely normal, right? I was completely sort of, I was, it was a sober experience. I was very sober. But my my experience wow. was going backwards so i had these whole episodes where i was it was cinema it was cinematic quality like nothing like you know a dream or a, an ayahuasca experience which is very dreamlike this was mm -hmm. like crystal clear um crystal clear sort of visions of my past and it was like nothing was nothing was changed the coffee stain on the table was there 
you know it was literally i was i was stepping back into that time but what was interesting is because previous in my life was I'd this had an out go on oh, sorry where was this uh, um like where did this happen was this through meditation or were you just was this like in a dream state if you I said was you actually in on ayahuasca or anything i was in a club um but yes yeah, so long <laughs> okay I'm not going to go into the too much details, but I was listening to DJ Stingray um, in this amazing club uh, called Corsica Studios in Elephant and Castle. And um, yeah, yeah, it was a very, very intense. So basically I had this, this inkling. So, I've, you know, I was, it was, I was literally in two, in a double consciousness, you know, I'm a big, big sort of proponent of this double consciousness mm -hmm. idea. So this is because of experience, right? I've had these experiences that have then pushed my thinking. And the the double consciousness thing sprang from this early you know, this early experience of a, of a of a life review. So I was in my um, in my current consciousness, but I was also in the consciousness going backwards, right? And I the first thing I thought of to try in this experience, because immediately I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" I tried leaving my body because I'd had an out of body experience God, 13 years previous to that. Mm -hmm. I kind of had that. Um, as a methodology that I could apply in, in whether it's in a dream space, in a life review, in a lucid dream, whatever, because I've, I've had it happen yeah. to me. And again, that was an absolutely non-drug experience, one of the most profound ones of my life when I'm standing up, had an out-of-body experience. And the in the life review, so immediately I tried leaving my body and I went into wood. I went into a table and I was like, I'm going to try and go in that table. So I went into the table and I became wood consciousness. So I was in three levels of consciousness and the wood and the table was fully conscious as well, right? So I'm in, I'm having the experience of being the table, being me back then and being me at the present moment in three levels. And, so I'm, I'm and you were still yourself in the present. Yeah. So I was parallel processing. I was like, and I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about why this is interesting from what I've learned about idealism and uh, Bernardo Castrop's work. Um, so basically, let me talk, talk through the experience and then move on to what it could have been. So. I'd then gone into the wood, became the table, and I um, I then was like, uh, okay, so I can go into anything. So I realized I could go into any object. Um, and I was only able to access things that I'd lived, right? So I'd gone through my life. I'm not having any new inputs, but what was new was the ability to go into other people and be them and me <laughs> and me. So I went into, you know, I'd been with this uh, girl two years before in Berlin and we had, um, you know, by mistake, we've only been together a few, like a month or something. We, she got pregnant by mistake and, um, and basically, yeah, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm capable of being a dad. Right. So she, she phones me up on the Tuesday. She phones me up. She says, you know, I'm pregnant. Abortions on Tuesday, puts the phone down. I'm like, what the fuck, you know, I can't do anything about it. So I'm, was no conversation at all it was yeah. like, this happening you're you're you know so i went over immediately i was in london she's in berlin so i went over and she had the pill she took a pill i mean she's only a week long pregnant she she has the mm -hmm. you know the abortion into the toilet so in this life review i'm like oh my god i can go into her so i went into her body i felt entirely what it was like to be pregnant i felt the doubts I felt the doubts that she was having about whether whether to get rid of it or not. And I didn't have any clue in reality that she was even doubting it for a second. But in this life review, I felt her. I felt what it was like to be pregnant, even if it was a very new pregnancy. And then I was like, oh, my God, I can go into the womb and experience the fourth level of parallel consciousness and experience the abortion. So I experienced the abortion at a cellular level. And I was in four parallel consciousnesses going in this like waterfall into the toilet. So I was like in her body, I was in the fetus, I was in, you know, the embryo rather, because, you know, and, and, it, and I, felt, I felt like I was able, you know, because I know that, for instance, I, I believe that there's a certain amount of pregnancy where the, the soul hasn't entered the body yet. I mean, some people would disagree, but we know that DMT enters the body around the 49th day of conception, which is when the sex is decided. So it strikes me if DMT is introduced, the sex is decided and, uh, and consciousness of sorts is yes the spirit the spirit enters the body so I, at that point i was i was just cellular i was but i was in the consciousness of that cell having the abortion and it was like what the fuck so i was like and then, then i was like I, I went and tried everything else i went into books became the author i went into films and became all the actors so it was like i it was like 
how I describe it is that I was in I was in my in, in normal life we we're, we're in very much in point of view. You know, mm -hmm. if we have empathy, we may be able to empathize with another, but we're in we're encased, we're imprisoned in our own perspective, right? And it's amazing when you fall in love because you you suddenly have this much closer. It's like the veil is much thinner because you're in love yes. with somebody. You feel you feel them, you know, you can feel them, but you're not them. You're never them. In the death state, you nope. get to be what I've realized is you we're driving the point of view in the in in life in order to access the field of view in death, which is why I suspect death is much bigger than uh, a, a, you know this this reduction of consciousness. In fact, I think it's a much bigger expansion of consciousness. You so you do believe that there is um, still a consciousness as as an individual, or do you think that? you go into everything and therefore you lose your individual consciousness and you just become part of the universe. Tell you one thing to watch if you haven't seen it already. Midnight Gospel, episode three. So Midnight Gospel is this uh, big sort of psychedelic, a uh, bit like Adventure Time, um, Rick and Morty on that sort of ilk. Oh, it's, um, what's his name? Um, uh, the, the comedian. Uh, yeah. I can't remember his name again. Right. Uh, Duncan right. Trussell. That's right. That's right. So, Episode three is, is narrated by a guy that was put in prison, used magic to, co to cope and uh, maybe even to get out. He got released and he wrote this amazing book about how magic kept him sane in, in prison, magic with a K. And, um, mm -hmm. and literally he talks about the solar body and how what we're, what, we're, what, what we're actually here to do is become sort of diamond souls. And actually... I think once you build the, 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 the solar body through a lot of practice, a lot of the, you can see it with these Tibetan masters that sort of go into some sort of suspended animation, even their bodies don't really decay um, in, you know, in, the, in, the, in life. There's a, whole, there's a whole other story. But the diamond, uh, sorry, the, the solar body is a way of maintaining your individuality even when you go into the non-duality. So you, you know, we, my, you know, I'm very, I'm always fascinated by this, this difference between the, the non-duality and the duality and the sort of the life and the death, and, uh, but you know, I'm very conscious that I've had many lives, and I think that the reincarnation is absolutely a mechanism that the universe uses, and death and rebirth and all the rest of it are super, um, sort of absolutely necessary for the for the functioning of the universe. And I think, but do you believe? Oh, sorry. Sorry. When you, can you um, just when you say you believe in reincarnation, do you mean do you um, do you believe in direct reincarnation, or do you believe in the uh, concept of reincarnation of when we die, we're reborn as something else because we break down and that becomes something else because you know you can't destroy energy. Yeah. Or, or it's a work in progress. My thinking on this, I think that <laughs> absolutely, okay. there's, there's a ginormous cosmic washing machine, and. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe without training, you are born as a, a rat or as a as a snake, or maybe it's only humans only become humans. Or I've no idea, but I, I really don't think that the human experience is limited to the human experience. I think either we evolve through all the other animals to become human, or maybe we, you know, maybe a bird is, is superior to being a human, and that's kind of where we where we're headed if we evolve in the right way. Who knows? I think also it's maybe that you know we're in this third dimension, whereas. When we look at the plant medicines, they seem to take us into different forms of relationship with light. Mm -hmm. uh, in this dimension, we're, we're certainly having a, a relationship with the light, as in the light sources the sun. The sun lights, lights upon us and shines upon us and gives us energy, gives us life. Whereas if you look at ayahuasca and everything else, you see these luminous beings. And then if you look at 5-MeO-DMT, you literally become light itself. So whether you call them dimensions, I know dimensions is a horrible and problematic term but different relationships, different relations with light itself may be what reincarnation is. And that we, you know, we go through these relations with light until we become the light body. And that's when you, you get all of your memories back, whether it's memories of being a bird, memories of being all sorts of animals, every memory of, of being human. And, um, but yeah, I would love to know more about this solar body idea and learn from the Tibetan masters and learn about dying consciously which is what, an, what is what a, a lucid dream is like, or an out of body experience. You know, you, you fall asleep consciously, which is a bit like dying consciously. I think that when we, when we pass over, we, we are sort of moving into yeah. another, another form of consciousness, much like we die every night with these mini deaths. 
do you find um, your opinion uh, works alongside or clashes with your scientific uh, work? Because, it's a, it's, it's I a mean, big, I, I mean, absolutely great question. Yeah. I think that a lot of people are warm to me because I'm foot in both camps. You know, I've had a lot of experiences that I cannot deny and lots of them have been, the most profound ones have been without any substance involved. So therefore they're way more scientifically interesting from the science perspective because people are saying, what caused yeah. that? Was it endogenous? Was it like an intervention? You mm -hmm. know, and, a, and I'm also a computer scientist and, I, and I'm, a, I'm an academic. So, you know, I just did a talk uh, a couple of days ago at the UCL and, and even the, the people, that, you know, even though it's the Psychedelic Society of the, of the University College London, they're still going, oh wow, we've never had anyone talking about their own experiences before. Even though they're the people studying mm -hmm. DMT and doing it scientifically, they're looking at the sort of the, the remnants of the brain activity. They're not talking about the, the sort of the, you know, it's the qualitative and the quantitative, right? They've, they've got the, the quantitative down, yeah. the qualitative stuff they tend to veer away from because it's problematic. They don't want to ruin their reputations. They don't want people thinking that they're crazy. You know, I don't mind people thinking that I'm crazy. That's what I was I, thinking. I've got nothing to lose. And I, and I, <laughs> I'm firmly a firm believer that, it's these abilities to share openly that will push the science forward. And even people like Chris Timmerman, who you've got on your show next week, yeah. he's very much about the trip report. Mm -hmm. He's very much about the, the qualitative and uh, not just the quantitative. And I think it's the marriage between the two. It's the marriage between the science and the, the mystical or the science and the, you know, this stuff that we've already learned from the East. And what's amazing is all the quantum physics, all the stuff that we're finding, you know, in the, in this, in this, in this quantitative way, is it being, you know, we're looking back like David Bohm, again, an amazing film from David Bohm. The there's Empire. a crossover, yeah. Yeah, there's a huge, not only a small crossover, this is like, holy shit, these, you know, people in the mm -hmm. East were talking about this thousands of years ago, we should take note. And, do you uh, think, what, uh, yeah. do you think it's, oh, sorry, oh, so there's a bit of a delay, that's why. That's yeah, there is a delay, uh, yeah, that's fine. Talking I mean, to you no, then. I was just going to finish that point. So hold on to what you were going to say. But what I've realized mm -hmm. and a lot of the work and even being with Chris actually recently, um, the last couple of days, you know, I'm very much um, looking at what technology is doing in terms of this ability to upload consciousness. You know, there's huge billions going into this research. You know, can we upload consciousness into the digital realms? And after I came to Holland and, and spent some time with you, I went home. I don't know if I even told you this. I had this incredible, my first lucid dream ever. Right, And uh, I think I mentioned it recently, but I literally, right. I had this yeah. you know, lying in bed. My consciousness, for some reason, I'm having this very strange sensation where I'm tipping back into my own consciousness. And I was like, I pushed it. I was like, let's see what this is. Right, So I pushed it a little bit harder. I didn't try and stop it. I pushed it a little bit more. And then I went into, and I had sleep paralysis for the first time in my life I, upon entering sleep. So I'm trying to raise my arm to sort of see if I'm... Terrifying? It, it was pretty terrifying. And, and I couldn't put, move my arm. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm having... And it was, I was aware. I was aware that I'm having sleep paralysis. And then suddenly I'm in this new world. I'm like, I'm in this holographic reality. Everything's made of light. I'm very like an ayahuasca journey or a DMT journey. But I'm seeing... I'm made of light. I'm seeing that the buildings I'm in are made of light. And then, you know, I have this horrific six hour lucid dream, like intense, like completely hyper real, like more real than this reality. <laughs> I'm being tortured in these groups. So it's like a group of people torturing me, like amputating stuff and like super dark, like really horrendous. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm unable to stop it and I'm unable to come out of it and I'm literally conscious of what's happening and again it's in this episodic section so it's one to the next to the next and I can't feel any pain because I haven't probably like got that um I don't know maybe I was protected in the sense I wouldn't feel the pain but the fact that I was visually seeing it was so so traumatic pure yeah. trauma and I was like at the end of this six hours I was like fuck this I'm gonna jump out the window so I literally I go for a window, right? And I can, I'm in this sort of weird hotel. I jump out of the window and I'm like, and I'm falling. And it feels like gravity's normal. I'm, I've never jumped out of a window before, but I feel like finally I'm going to die. I'm going to. What I'm you gonna, imagine it would feel like. Yeah, I'm going to release from this. And I can see this like green neon tower. And I'm like literally falling to the ground. And I, um, and I'm like just 
thankful, really thankful that I'm going to be out of this situation. And as I, um, as I, and again, remember this is hyper real, so I'm not thinking this, I'm in a dream. I don't know I've fallen into a dream. I don't know anything about where I am or what it is. But as I come to the ground, I, I sort of slow down and it's something like, I've seen out of the nature of the zoop, And I sort of <laughs> slow down just, to, just as I'm about to hit the ground. And then I just stop and I stand up and I see this witch-like woman with white hair um, in front of me, like as far away from you as you are now, I know you're in hyperspace, but the uh, cyberspace. Well. What it seems like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like literally, oh my God, like, and she just says one thing to me. She shakes her finger like this and she says, there's no death here. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so then I continue to be tortured. And I'm, fortunately, I've, I've had my six hours. It's completely real time. And I wait, I force myself awake and I'm like, Wow, like uh, trauma, real trauma for days after that. Like way more traumatic than anything I've experienced in real life. Questioning it, what it was, you know, what the hell happened? Like, was it real? Did I just visit someplace? And then amazingly, six days after the experience, I go to um, to, to this trial, a, a, a technology trial called ISNIS. And ISNIS is an amazing piece of uh, VR that's come out of Bristol, David Glowacki produced it and he, he you know, he, he's he launched it at Breaking Convention, big psychedelic conference in Europe. And he yeah. did it as a, as a, as a, as a sort of a distributed experience. So I'm, I meet this woman called Rachel and Rachel amazingly was the woman in my dream. And I'm like, Oh my God, With the white hair. Yeah. And I'm like, she has the white hair. Oh. She's got the same face. I'm like, what the hell? You're the woman. And, you know, it sounds really corny when you say, oh, <laughs> you're the woman yeah. of my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But this, this was the fact, you know, I literally, I, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, and then after talking to her for a few minutes, I realized why I had that dream. And it, it, there's a couple of reasons. I think primarily because she's a, she's a hyperhumanist like myself. She's working on using technology not as a dependency, as something that we become a cyborg with, but actually something that enables us to have a new sense, have a new skill that we then remove yep. the technology because the technology has just been a catalyst for us getting this new ability. And then a bit like stabilizers on your bike. We probably talked about mm -hmm. it last time. Right, yeah. So you, once you've got the skill, you remove the stabilizer, remove the technology. She's exactly on that page. And I was like, thank God I've met another one of, of that, of that, that idea of hyperhumanism. And then I was like, got, got thinking a little bit more about the, the dream because the dream was a transhumanist sort of, it was a transhumanist vision of uploading consciousness um, where you cannot die, right? So the caveat is that I realize now how sacred death is. Not that I don't fear death anymore, which is what some of the previous experiences have given me, some of the, mm -hmm. the generals I've had. But now I'm not only not fearing death, I'm finding it absolutely sacred and a part of life that we should never try and remove because not only is it super rude to nature, it's like, fuck you, nature, I'm just going to like, be rude and like it's a bit like eating too much at your dinner right you're just like you have a certain amount of dinner and everyone needs to be fed and like and in fact all the people that are trying to like be born through you know through now are not going to be able to be born if it's a you know there's too many too many people here already whatever <laughs> it's like there's only a certain amount of resources on planet but when uh, is the point of well i think it's like, a, a, when when is that point like, yeah. That's a whole other question. I think life extension uh -huh. is a, is absolutely something we should be aware of. But make sure yeah. let's make yeah. sure that we're starting to use nature to look after nature, be stewards of nature, not just complete like mm -hmm. zombie, uh, hijacked zombies that don't even aren't even aware of their own inner world, let alone the world that we're in. You know what I mean? Uh, that's yeah. for me the sort of the that's when you deserve to stay here longer when you're contributing when you're helping the ecosystems when you realize when you realize you're part of a nested ecology uh, and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so I think the, where was I? So yeah, so the, the transhumanist vision and then Chris, again, talking mm -hmm. to Chris Zimmerman two days ago, he's like, cause he knows about my diary project, right? So I'm writing this diary. I've been writing it for 30 years. I've got like everything written down my entire life. And I'm like, and I'm yeah, writing. I remember seeing, three levels right so i'm writing it from content what i did context how i how, what i felt mm -hmm. concepts what i thought right and i'm writing it five minutes a day and i've got i've got my my notebook which is for ideation this is all the all the concepts and then i've got my my electrical electronic diary which is what i've done like everything i've done 
every film I've ever watched, every medicine I've ever taken, all the dosages, all the, you know, it's literally, I've got this archive and then I've also got mood. So I've got all the photographs or the, you know, I've got access to this, these three, these three aspects, which is what, you know, it's the, it's the being, it's the doing and it's the thinking and that data set for an AI. That's an amazing idea. Yeah. So that, but you say that, but then what I've wow. done is actually I've built, I've built this artificial consciousness, right? Because I can feed all of that data, that 30 year data set into an AI. Most data sets, most AI data sets like are just a bot. So your messenger data can be fed into a bot, mm -hmm. into an AI engine, right? And you can actually create this neural network of all of your conversations. But that's just your conversations with another person or whatever. I've got all of this and I've got all that as well. So I can feed all of that data, all my social media data. And we know about social media that one of the big dangers is that you yeah. know, your social media knows you better than your mum. So Chris was like, oh, come mm -hmm. on, you know, you know, maybe the reason, the real reason you had that lucid dream is because you are endangered of, you're the first person to be able to build an AI of yourself that has the being, the thinking and the, the doing. <laughs> and uh, you're the one that's being warned because you have the power to actually do it and your plan is to do it. So maybe think carefully. Yeah, would you? Well, now I've had that dream. I'm like, shit, maybe I will like build an artificial consciousness of myself that will live on beyond me and won't be able to die. Mm -hmm. So either I find a mechanism to kill it, give it its own volition, give it its own agency that it can abort. But then Chris also says, mm -hmm. well, but you now maybe have built something that can, that can do something that hasn't been done, that is, that is able to extend life. And maybe you should be looking at it. You know, I always try, whenever I come up with an argument, I always try and counter my own argument because I think that's what good research is. Yeah. So, you know, I'm uh, I'm in the, I'm in this this sort of limbo of of not knowing and being being very conscious that you know a bit like Brave New World the TV series have you seen it yet? I have not seen it. Yes, no. Yeah. You said to uh, for me to watch it. Um, I do need to, need to get you on that because now I've been invited to do a TED talk um, at Oxford Uni. And uh, that's going to be in February. on Brave New World on Aldous yeah, Huxley's novel. The, or? the whole theme is Brave New World, and um, and what my title of my yeah. talk I've actually decided is going to be How to Escape Brave New World. Because the three pillars, the three pillars, the three pillars of Brave New World are the first one is um, everyone's high, soma, right? Everyone's high. If you're yeah, if you're not high, if yeah. you're not high, you go to jail. It's illegal not to be high. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's high as in the sort of things that are nice and interesting and really push us. I think it's like the SSRI kind of high, you know, the numb high yeah. where you're actually all, all your men, all your, all your, all your levels are monitored and everyone has to be at a certain level. And mm -hmm. it's, again, it's, it's not your choice what you're on. It's like you're given the medicine, blah, blah. So generally yeah. not a good, um, second principle, it's polyamory, like it's the law. If you try and be monogamous, you're put in jail. Mm -hmm. There's no one-on-one -on -one relationships anymore. That's done. Everyone is owned by everyone, and uh, that's it. That's the rule. And then the third principle is everyone's wearing mixed reality, right? So everyone's wearing contact lens. In the contact lens, that means you can be seen through, heard through, and not only that, but it's like an organic uh, computer. So it actually feels you. It can feel your affective state, and it can measure... Wow. So you, everyone's felt, not only is everyone owned by everyone, but everyone is felt. So you can't everyone. hide anything. No privacy anymore. That was the basic principle of Brave New World. Yeah. Same 1984, no privacy. And you can see that's where we're going. These are, this is a very powerful series because it's a, it shows you the trajectory of where we're all going if none of us do anything about it. And I think that so much of it's mm -hmm. in place already, especially with the new, with the lockdown that the, you know, we're seeing. Yeah matrix being built around us everything's going digital all the supply chains are going digital no matter what the business in fact i'm being asked to digitize all sorts of supply chains and it's super scary because mm -hmm. people are very 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 lazy and they're also very you know if it, i'm running online parties you know with uh, the co-reality collective mm -hmm. we've been doing it since lockdown it's fantastic in the sense that everyone feels like they're connecting you know that they have an outlet that they have something to do with their saturday nights but the danger is that we we get used it's to being, norm. yeah, it becomes the norm. People yeah. were like, I don't need to go out anymore. I can just press a button. 
just like they can press a button to get a girlfriend, mm -hmm. press a button to get a hotel, press a button to get a taxi, press a button to get a job. It's like we need to build friction back in because life's become so convenient and we're, yep. we're, we're complete obsessed monsters of convenience, which is why we're so easily manipulated and why we're so easily hijacked because we just constantly like, just give me the convenient option. You know, I'm a lazy human. It's and then we just follow along and do whatever we're told. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's interesting. Um, that you, uh, I would say that you that you mentioned Brave New World and also 1984. Um, yeah. Those were actually two of the things that I jotted down. Before. I don't know. I don't make many notes in the podcast, but those were just yeah. two of the things that I put down. At, um, because I think we really are going into a state where both of those um, novels are extremely relevant in fact probably now more than ever yeah exactly and how prophetic to have that um mm -hmm. I, think, I think so what i've realized from watching brave new world is that i'm absolutely implicated in two of those areas um because i'm doing a lot of like <laughs> the soma research i'm looking at 5-meo-dmt with imperial and i'm you know i'm very much looking at mix, mixed reality. And uh, even though I'm pushing tech for good, I'm constantly saying, let's go the hyperhumanist route and not the transhumanist route. The, uh, it's like pushing against the tide, you know? It's like the, the, the amount of people doing transhumanism now is ginormous. And there's very few people looking at things the way I am and trying to push and trying to create groups that, that push this. But I don't think it's too late. I think that absolutely, um, now's the time to to be pushing back and to say look yeah. I, you know, I i really think that and, and you can see it with like films like the social dilemma being pushed um social dilemma again you know it's the people that have produced this hijacking that are now saying oh maybe we fucked up and uh and they're, they're you know creating a new path a new yeah. career path for themselves saying actually it was our fault but you know at least we're telling you now um so I think building on is that enough though. I mean, no, it's not. It's not enough, and that's the point. So it's like <laughs> it's a it's a bit like Greta saying, you know, the world's being destroyed. But let's look at, you know, we know that, but we need to we need people with solutions. We need people that are actually like looking at it from a very broad church and saying, sure, this is this is what's happened. So we we kind of need both. We need to to have the reflection. We need to know that this is happening, but we also need to know what to do next and we need to and it's so difficult because we're in a post-truth era we are we're of a we're of a world where there is no lot no common ground anymore half the people think this we're living in a conspiracy half the people think mm -hmm. it's natural i mean my my um, even my own understanding is is changing rapidly because you don't know what to trust you don't know where the good sources no. of information are and yeah. that's well, how do you verify its authenticity? It's just exactly. So I, I really think that we are going to go through this, no matter how horribly painful it is. The old system is dying. It's it's sort of like you can feel the noise of the old system dying as it's dying, and and we're all scared. Mm -hmm. but I think that it has to pass. It has to go in order for us to build something else. And I absolutely believe that we will. Um, there will be there will be another human. There will be a future human. Um, and I've just seen this incredible, I mean, I recommend this amazing book. Uh, Chris Backer um, wrote a book called LSD and the Mind of the Universe, Diamonds from Heaven yep. is the name of the book. And he's just did this amazing podcast um, a couple of days ago. And uh, in that book and in that talk, he, he, he takes uh, megadoses of LSD over 23 years, I believe, and he took something like 70 doses of, of high dose LSD. So 500 mics and above. And he did wow. it completely scientifically. His wife looked after him on those, on that 30 year journey. Um, he literally went through, and I, I mean, honestly, it's just, the... sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, no, that's my, okay. my mistake. Um, so let me just see if I can, so he, he talks about the, this going through the personal mind, right? Going through, crossing this boundary mm -hmm. of earth and death. And then he entered, and these, this was, this was all over multiple journeys himself. And then he moved into the collective mind where he went through this ocean of suffering. He went into something called deep time. And then he had an initiation, a personal in, initiation with the universe. Um, 
in which in which he then he passed over into the archetypal mind um where he 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 found these beings he found like what plato talks about where he talks about the you know the 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 forms and the and the you know the original forms um and then he moved into something even more amazing he talked about this uh causal oneness then he talked about diamond luminosity and the birth of the future human and for me this is absolutely about this hyperhumanist idea that we yeah that we will we will we will live on and absolutely we're going through a mass initi initiation now um but he said that the universe and i thought it was the most beautiful thing he said that the universe is um, um uh, uh, sort of a, a laboratory or a, um, a way of manufacturing diamond souls and i think <laughs> that that's that's what the reincarnation is that we're constantly evolving constantly learning from our fuck-ups and in, even in my life review i um I experienced what I'd done to people as them and me at the same time. And I think that I, even though that may have just been a near death experience, I had free will and I could choose who I went mm -hmm. into. I think in the death state, you don't choose. You absolutely experience what you've done to somebody as them and you at the same time. So there's, you know, you can't hide from any of you. And you know, when you come back from that sort of journey, you, you radically know that I am both of us. And so are you, and you don't hide. Sounds don't hide. a lot like Iboga. Yeah, exactly. It, it does. Similar, yeah, similar things happen. Never done a boga, but I absolutely think that that is potentially a similar medicine. That you, this is why you stop abusing heroin or whatever. You because you, you mm -hmm. realize what you're doing not just to yourself, but to your family, to your loved ones. Yeah. And you and you and you actually feel their pain. You feel their hurt, and you and you feel their concern for you. And I think that's that's the empathy engine right there. Those, those, that's the reason why these yeah. medicines are so transformative. And you don't need the soma. You don't need the constant numbing of an SSRI of an antidepressant daily because you have a one <laughs> mega dose realization where you get the overview effect, and you're you're sort of you're sort of no longer driving in the car. You're driving outside of the car, and you're seeing the backstage. You're seeing what you're trying to hide from yourself all the time because we're constantly like yeah. playing playing ourselves. You know. I've actually um got a question that's just popped up from um on the on the chat uh, there's yeah. uh, people asking asking away which is uh, yeah. welcome anyone else listening feel free um that what what are your thoughts on about this being uh the a high possibility that we actually live in a simulation and how does that fit in with uh, what we've essentially just spoken about because you know, that could yeah. be a distinct possibility yeah that came across quite heavily in uh in the back the chris backer talk I hope they put it out because it was just the most enlightening and inspiring and made me think, yeah, maybe we are going through a death experience right now and maybe death isn't as bad and as evil as we as we all been trained to believe because we live in a capitalist, materialist world where they want us to spend as much money as we can and, and work as hard as we can before we leave the mortal coil. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, again, verdict's still out. I think that we, we absolutely are... Um, when we when we're doing the virtual reality work, when we're creating these simulated worlds, and we're getting so close to creating lifelike uh, humans, and uh, mm -hmm. what's to say what's to say that we haven't done this a million times before? Maybe we're building on previous pandemics where we had to go into the virtual, <laughs> you know, and that's maybe yeah. what we are in now. That we're this is the we're in a projected universe from somewhere else that is got diseased or lost its ability to function and maybe exactly what i'm doing with the digital diary is what what we what i've done before many 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 times just to escape a mm -hmm. reality that was no longer habitable well it, that could make sense as well with the whole um with the dream you were talking about with the lucid dream about that being part of the yeah the reality is if it's all a simulation that dream itself was created part of well essentially created by somebody else in this cyberspace within and it's just layers upon layers of of the simulation yeah it's an onion it's a big onion and i think that yeah you know that that and i and i and i was saying it again in this ucl talk that i feel as if um you know when i do a plant medicine journey i tend to go through space you know i feel like i've gone through into mm -hmm. deep time like he's talked about like you know you your sense of time dissolves and your you know, all of these things that may be belief systems that we that we believe so readily, you know, like we believe we should age and therefore we age. And it's like, you know, I'm like, 
you know, I'm, I'm a very big believer that that we 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 the the, the body to counter my own argument just then the body is absolutely <laughs> a, a fragile system it it definitely you know i've got friends that are really suffering at the moment with with cancer and all sorts of things but the the mind is infinite you know i think that the mind is infinite mm -hmm. and therefore we can heal the body with the mind if we allow it to be infinite and if we allow it not to be boxed in and if we allow it not to be brainwashed by the, yeah. the, the mainstream media and living in fear is the biggest thing we have to overcome and I think if you listen to people like Chris and you have these, you know, if he's if he's gone on this collective journey for all of us and this incredible 30 year research, you know, he's, he's again, he's he's not interested in doing this stuff recreationally. He did it just for the research, just yeah. for the science. And I think that's my camp as well. I'm not interested in, you know, I want to I want to explore what is this infinite mind. Um, and yeah, like the whole thing about the what David Bohm has taught us with this implicate and explicit order he's he's teaching that there is no empty space you know this whole thing about the atom being 99.99999% empty he's saying no it's full it's absolutely full and actually what what you really realize is that that you know it's even if it's invisible to us with our with our brains that own, that filter out so much of what's there you know, one percent of the mm -hmm. visual spectrum we see, we probably see much less. A friend of mine was saying, "No, it's not nearly as much as one percent of the visual spectrum that we see." So we are being kept That's from, the, from the truth. You know, we, we're not seeing reality. We're seeing a very small fraction of it. And I think the tools that we have in the toolbox, whether it's the technologies, whether it's the uh, medicines, whether it's body technology, whether it's meditation, breath work, you name it. I mean, the things that I've got out of breath work are far yeah. superior any any drug that i've ever taken and that's your own innate human hyperhuman ability and if you don't and we don't even breathe properly normally like they I've read recently that we stop breathing when we read email you know you don't breathe normally because you're constantly you're, when we read it really yeah, like it interrupts your breathing your breath your flow you know that's so true yeah 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 and just knowing that is I, i'm terrible for it i hold my breath we all do, mate. We all shallow breathe, unless you're. Well, um, yeah. Go ahead. Funny that you say um, when you mentioned about like meditation and using these tools. It, I actually think that uh, using plant medicine or drugs or psychedelics is also just. It's just, they're just tools to access these the the same states that we're accessing through meditation. And the thing is, that's all like the, our alchemical vessel. We're just changing. Uh, the the chemical reactions that are happening in our brain, allowing different parts of the brain to communicate and allow us to open up different fields of perception. So mm. the, the kind of limit is, well, there isn't a limit. That's the crazy thing about it. Yeah, and I really think, like well, like I was uh, saying with the, with the Holotechnica stuff, it's like it's the combinations because we've yes. got whole new sciences being birthed because we've got all these modalities, we've got all these different you know, ecstatic dance, we've got like, you know, fasting, we have dark immersion we have sensory deprivation and these can all be just foundations that we then build upon doing the meditation doing the hypnosis doing the breath work and then we can do some you know vr mm -hmm. experiences maybe then we do some magic mushrooms we do some whatever but it's the stacking it's the ordering of these combinations and i think magic is revealed inside yeah. these combinations and there's people out there that are doing combinations we've never heard of so it's a case of like crowdsourcing that, making citizen science frameworks available so we know what's safe to do, what's really unsafe. I mean, for instance, yeah. there's loads of breathwork classes happening at the moment. Holotropic breathwork, you need a sitter. Just like you need a sitter when you're doing an entheogen. You need somebody there to look after you. You can go really deep into this stuff and it can be very traumatic. You can come out and uh, you need somebody there looking out for you to make sure that you're not doing anything stupid. And I think that that's the thing. We need frameworks of use. We need to understand. And Stellark, a brilliant like uh, artist who put, a, who put an art an ear on, uh, grafted an ear on his arm, and then allowed the internet, you know, his, his world to be heard through this ear, and you could plug into his ear through the internet. Um, as he says, we have a biological system that is very much has limits. The mind has no limits. Yeah. So let's let's utilize that that, and then combine the two. And this is making me think now, and I think that, yeah, let's combine the, this, this infinite potential with the body that is limited, but maybe we can make the body 
you know, stronger. We can make it less limited because of that understanding and that real belief. And we can remove limitations, I think. Yeah, exactly. So I think the ultimate combination is the body and the mind, and they are the one thing and whatever. You know, I think that that's. Mm -hmm. But for me, Holotechnica, which is when we're doing these combinations, and uh, myself and my good uh, partner Jose, we're we're working on this academy because we want to bring in things like I've just been doing this finders course for the last 17 weeks and that's purely about meditation practice so Jeffrey Martin amazing uh, character he basically took a thousand different um, meditation techniques and then collapsed those into the best 26 or 24 and then over a 17 week period you try 24 different meditation techniques every three days you try a different one um, and it's an online course super clever of him because he's you know, it's an expensive course, but you're also, you're giving them your data. So you do measures all the time. Every every three days, you need to write a measure, which is a questionnaire saying, what happened? Where's it? Did it did it fulfill this uh, fundamental well-being, which is all we're all searching for? So he gets your data, he gets your money, and it's all automated. So it's an automated course. He doesn't even, you never meet him. He's just videos. Wow. So it's like amazing. Like, uh, so, you know, but. But also we do have groups. We do like work with the little groups um, so that you are, you do have that contact. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that a fully automated course is the way to go. And I certainly wouldn't do that myself. And in fact, you can't do that in, mm -hmm. in Europe because you'd have to pay VAT on every single country that apply, that, that would join the course. In America, I imagine you can get away yeah. with it because they have very different laws and uh, all the rest of it. But um, Could yeah. it be donations? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, he definitely isn't uh, open for donations, but that you could, we could certainly. No, I mean for you to get yeah, around the VAT thing. Oh, I, mean, I haven't gone that charity. far. Down. I haven't gone that far down thinking yeah. about it. But yeah, I mean, I know your work and your your idea of producing, you know, going out and actually helping out the people that are near death or whatever. I mean, one of the big things mm -hmm. for me is conscious dying and helping people come to terms with death because it isn't nearly yeah. as scary as it is seem to be and i think that if we look at people like zach bush amazing uh scientist and doctor clinician um who is in the ic ic units i think i maybe even mentioned this last time on the podcast you know he's he's literally resuscitating people he's bringing back covid patients and and invariably they're saying to him why did you bring me back because they're going into this light and they're seeing this the other side and they're they're all saying I don't, I don't want to be here. I want to be there. And, uh, and, and he says that it's, it's Just, not, a, it's not a contraction of consciousness. It's a ginormous expansion of consciousness. And I think, of course, we don't want to leave our loved ones behind, but what if our loved ones, and uh, what if we are absorbed into our loved ones? What if we continue to understand everything from, from this world, but we also have access to another world? I mean, it could be a uh, DMT trip, though. You know, I mean, there is that that the thing they're experiencing could possibly <laughs> be them having a huge dose of DMT at the end. Yeah, and another person that's really interesting in this area is Anthony Peak. I mean, he's um, he's got this amazing sort of working hypothesis, which is called cheating the ferryman. And cheating the ferryman is basically, yeah, that DMT trip is a uh, a time um valve right you, you you know like with my near-death experience my my life review i experienced my entire life in reverse in one hour so maybe dmt is involved maybe i you know the, the, again mm -hmm. we don't have dmt is involved in the in the lungs we, we certainly know that there's not enough endogenous dmt to to produce a dmt trip but maybe upon death there is you know who knows yeah but what what what's interesting in uh in his hypothesis is that yeah of course maybe he, he talks about the virgin life the original life and then other lives after that are your dmt uh, infusion on death where you experience your entire life in reverse and therefore you have an, and then at that, <laughs> the end of that death you have another dmt release and then it continues it's like a recursive so you have you have endless <laughs> lives are uh, sort of digital or or chemical lives after your virgin life and Nietzsche actually talks about this as well in the sense that he talks about the the, the eternal recurrence and how we we don't live yeah. in reincarnation we live the same life like Groundhog Day every single life is the same life mm -hmm. but you have chances of changing it he says let's make sure that you're living 
your 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 infinite life every single day because if 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 it's true if if his hypothesis is correct then we we may as well live every day as if it's infinity because it's it is and therefore do your best yeah. every single day and you want day. to live at the best then yeah enjoy it every mm -hmm. single day otherwise you're going to create if you have those days where you're just completely not in into it or you're completely lazy or you're completely whatever you're just like it's, you're wasting that day forever not just a day I'll, I'll be honest i've had um a pretty close near-death experience and um for me it was terrifying it was just uh, one of the scariest things that's ha that's ever happened to me and it, yeah. uh, I, I nearly drowned and right. i was rescued by somebody um i fell off uh, a uh I, I got stuck under a waterfall actually and um uh, I, I jumped over, I was jumping into the, we were jumping down this waterfall really big and somebody warned me, they said, don't jump this route because it's really dangerous, there's cross currents. Yeah. I jumped stupidly, I wanted to climb the highest and jump the highest, I jumped and I jumped into the wrong part and I was just pulled under and uh, just smashed against this uh, small cave where the water, every time there was about enough for me to stick my nose out of the water um, and then it would just drag me under again. So I just gasping for air and I was just getting, I was terrified. I was screaming for my life. And like, I've never, I never thought I would do that. I thought, you know, I would just, if something happens, I'm just going to live with it. But I, I just didn't, was not ready to die. And yeah, of it course. Was, I, I was, I was puking up as I was like gasping going down. I was just puking. So I was taking on so much water and um, luckily somebody saved me. My friends all thought I was joking. They could hear me scream every so often. And um, and they at first thought I was like kind of laughing, it's joking. Um, so I'm, I'm a strong swimmer. And actually, um, a friend of mine realized and, and uh, jumped in himself and managed to uh, grab me and, and uh, swim out with me. And uh, I was at the point where I was passing out and I was I was dying. Like I, I felt myself. I would, yeah, that was the closest I've ever come. And it was terrifying. And time definitely. It's strange. It's time. I can't say time actually slowed, but the whole everything just goes and whizzes by and whirs, and it just gets distorted. It's really like, really for me, it was really it is like a trip, you know, like um, yeah. things get distorted. I, it's like it's really fast that it's happening, but it's also really slow. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, it's different for everybody. For you know, obviously, when when you have an experience yeah. like that, it's some yeah. people have. Um, I just, yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it's also, it's a lot different probably if you're, um, in like a hospital setting and you, you're kind of induced into a, a thing where you maybe subconsciously you're prepared for death in some ways. Um, and you know, you're, you're already on, on medication. So maybe you said like the COVID patients, you know, they're in, in, in this state where maybe they're consciously more prepared for death. Yeah, rather, rather than just being like thrown into death. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I, I'm not. I'm you, not saying. Yeah, go on. No, no, sorry, no, carry on. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd just say that absolutely, we're here to have the human experience. Absolutely, we're not here to die before our time. And, um, but I'm also conscious that if we are taken, then maybe that was that was that was always in the design, or whether it was, but you mm -hmm. know. You know, one of my friends has, you know, committed suicide recently and uh, super, super sad because I really think that the medicines that we have access to now absolutely could have saved him. And I think he didn't have access to that and he didn't reach yeah. out. And, you know, every, all his friends knew he was depressed, but you, you just think that you, you never think it will come to that. But unless we do. No. In on friends and we and we do like make that effort and you know then then this tragedy happens and i just think that we're living now in a world that that really is avoidable and i think that you know there are no magic bullets but i think care of everyone around you realizing that you can lose people just like that and it's and it's so easy you know to to be here one day and gone the next and i think we all live in this immortal fashion like we think that life's here forever and it's not it's so short and we only live for a thousand months no. um, and that's if we live until we're 83 oh, so it, oh, that's crazy yeah it is it's really crazy could you just um for anybody listening uh could you explain um holotechnica in a bit more detail actually what you're doing what you're what you're planning to do with it yeah 
cool. I, I mean, we just we glaze over some of it now, but obviously I know about it, but I'm the listeners aren't going to. Yeah. yeah, sure. I mean, I, I guess that it's come out of a lot of my work in the sense that I've, you know, I've come from a background in technology. I've been looking at plant medicines for a very long time, and I've realised that, you know, it's not even my idea, but there's something called moist media where we're combining virtual reality with 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 psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And that's just one example. There's lots of people now doing virtual reality therapy with ketamine infusions because people are like getting, um, you know, there's there's a lot of money going into ketamine research for depression, and there's a lot of labs in New York or yes. wherever that are, that are actually putting you into a VR headset so that you're having a guided journey whilst on the on the via on the ketamine. And again, that sounds bit to me like a replacement for a therapist which I absolutely don't agree with I think that we need therapists there as well I think that there are Mm -hmm. therapists so then you've got the three modalities you've got the therapy you've got the VR and you've got the medicine so I think that it comes out of understanding that you have always three parts to any journey any medicine journey you don't just have the plant which is one third of it you also have the set and the setting and the set is you know your mindset like what state are you in and we also know how important that is to to any journey if you're in a bad place almost always these plant medicines are amplifiers of that state so then you also have the 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 setting and the, the the big problem with the clinical trials is that you don't have a good setting you have a hospital setting it's not authentic it's not the kind of place it's not nature yes they do their best to pimp it out with like pictures and certain sounds or whatever and make it look like a you know, forest or whatever, but it's, it's not, and you know, it's not. And, um, so I think that even in the traditional medicines, in the traditional clinical trials, they're already doing a form of holotechnico in the sense that they're looking at architecture. They're looking at the effect of the therapist. You know, there's personality issues with therapists that you may be incompatible with a therapist, but yet you're still going through this very personal, very intimate (laughs) journey. So, Obviously, everything's all about combinations, you know, that we're, you know, we're living in this, but I'm trying to just formulate it a little bit more and saying, and again, there's other groups trying to do this. Jamie Will talks about flow genomics um, and he talks about stacking um, in the sense of, you know, breath work um, with some, you know, meditation can lead to these ecstatic 5-MeO-like states and you're reaching them in an analog way. You've got people like Stanislav Groff, who in the 60s, he took some, you know, he, he, he created holotropic breathwork. He didn't really, it's, it's already existed from the East, but he's now branded it. It's now called the Stanislav, it's now called Stanislav Groff breath, a bit like Wim Hof, you know, Wim Hof doesn't do, you know, it's yeah. like, you, you know, everyone's got their own platform. Everyone's got a website. Now you've got your own breath mm-hmm. technique, you know, it's mad. So I think that what I'm trying to do with Holotechnica is actually say, look, we can turn this into a science. We can say that, you know, people like I, I, I had one of my most profound experiences by standing on a Shakti mat, which is a bed of nails, and then doing holotropic breath work. I have uh, one. Yeah. So it's like, again, a very different combination, but it could lead to massive breakthroughs. So I think that mm-hmm. it's about some science. It's about getting people to, and there's a brilliant group on Reddit called Rift into the Mind, where people are doing moist media. So they're trying different VR experiences, trying different psychedelics, different dissociatives, and then saying, Ooh, what works with what? And then they're basically giving other people. And of course, it's so complicated because what works for one person may never work for another. And not only that, you've got the gender differences, yes. you've got the age differences, you've got cultural differences, you name it. So it's a huge goldmine and a hugely problematic sort of subject to try and breach. But I think it's like, why not? You know, that's what I mean. That's what I'm here to try and do the really tough stuff. Who are you doing this with? So it's it's um, it's born out of um, the Cyberdelic Society primarily because with okay. the Cyberdelic Society we you know we, we we specifically focused on not just technology but also but mainly technology that's digital because it's cyber right so it's either dependent on the internet it's either dependent on electricity you've got other things like technodelics which is like any alter, anything from external world that can create an altered state so that can include dance can include all the other stuff so it's holotechnica is like an, an evolution of these groups. You've got psychotechnologies. I'll share you the link to the UCL talk where I go into a lot more detail because it's an hour plus mm-hmm. long talk specifically about Holotechnica and where it came from, who who's invited, which is everyone. You know, it's like, you know, you're going to be the first uh, 
you and Sydney are going to be the first in the door. But yeah, it's, it's something that we are Amazing. passionate about, creating these these uh, these frameworks and, and actually just creating best practice. And it, 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 it's going to take a lot of different groups because I mentioned the, the gender differences, the age differences. So it's a bit like field studies instead of the clinical studies. Clinical studies are amazing. The stuff at Imperial is amazing, but it's slow. It's expensive. It takes, you know, you can't do it while the, during lockdown because, you, you know, you can't yep. run trials during lockdown, etc. So it's, it's something that I think is timely. I think that a lot of people, you, can, you know, people can message me, get on board. Like, you know, it's, it's, about, it's about doing this stuff together in a citizen science fashion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, we've, you say with lockdown, um, it's affecting it. Is that, um, is that affecting your work outside of this, like your actual day-to-day -day work? I'm not really. Able no. to just carry on. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I was. This is again why I'm a bit like the sort of I'm the person that's conscious that I'm already in the matrix, even though I'm warning people about being in the matrix. I'm sort of building the matrix, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of my own worst enemy in some ways but i'm also like that's the good thing about research it's like you're you know so it takes other people to say to me oh but carl aren't you uploading your consciousness and then i'm like oh my god <laughs> got a good point so it's like you know that's why it's so important to be in dialogue with people like yourselves that you actually learn through through talking about what you're doing you break out of your own siloed thinking and you have people ask you interesting and pertinent questions and then you're like ah oh. and then you then you allows you to your, reflect yeah Exactly, and that's the ultimate Polytechnica conversation, being in dialogue, mm -hmm. dialogus, and this is from Greek, you know, the Greeks, and uh, we've been in, in, in understanding that it's only in dialogue that you really evolve your humanity and your thinking and your behaviour, and people are reflectors. It's like Jose. I've just been. I don't know if you've checked out Human Design. Human Design's an interesting area. Where no, what's this? So Human Design is a bit like. You put in your birthday. It tells you whether you're. You know, the options are that you can be a a, uh, a generator, a manifesting generator, a projector, or a uh, mirror. And the most rare of all are mirrors. So these are the people that sort of reflect you, and they'll show you all your shit, and they show you your backstage, and they show you where you're going wrong. And they're really kind of. And Jose, Jose, mm -hmm. who I he's a he's a mirror right and i'm a manifesting generator which is about 30 percent of the population where you are able to manifest realities you're 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 both generating ideas and you're also manifesting them and then you've got the generators uh, the, the manifestors rather that are very good at thinking stuff through but don't really generate it so that's uh, and then there's something called is that team. not everybody though i mean everybody creates well, their own reality right i mean of course of course but i think it's it's an interesting interesting thing to just look at it and i mean it's 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 kind of yeah it's it's only on your birthday it doesn't depend on your time or your location so obviously it's very broad but i i definitely feel like i'm mm -hmm. learning something from that in the sense that i you know me and me and jose have this dynamic where i get a bit annoyed because he's a bit passive aggressive but now i understand where that comes from because he's a mirror <laughs> you know and i'm always going oh man you're constantly going on at me but he's he's doing it out of love a lot of the time and he's like he calls me out when i miss meetings and you know and all the rest of it so i think that that we we learn from each other and it's all about combinations in the sense of you are your environment you are your friends you know you are the people you hang out with it's very important that you you know you don't you don't waste your time because you you're literally driving the point of view to access the field of view so you will even if you spend a day with somebody you get to be them afterwards in death state yeah. that's my caveat this sounds actually yeah caveat to all of this is all just Sorry, my, uh, yeah, it's all just my opinion right I'm, I'm 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 only responsible for what i say <laughs> not for people to understand um you know don't take any of this as gospel go and do the experiments of yourself well, that's a beautiful thing um I, I feel having a platform like this uh is i get a chance to hear and experience so many other people's um, experiences and opinions on things. So, what, and there's not one right way. So, whether exactly. you know that's it. You're, yours, you're not gospel. I'm not gospel. Whatever everybody says, are different parts to take from. Yeah, um, exactly. I just, exactly. just going back to what you said a minute ago. It sounds. Uh, it reminds me a bit of the um, you know, the Big Five personality traits. Mm. 
uh, where I think that's, is it the, uh, this the ocean model, which is um, developed in the, I think in the eighties and it's for um, or extroversion, agreeableness, openness, conscientiousness and neuroticism. But then it's not the way that we think of those words being, but there, there, there are certain personality traits that apparently um, people are kind of, uh, I guess, develop throughout life. And then and you fit into certain aspects of these. Um, and what you were saying there, yeah, just remind, reminds me of that. It's very, very interesting. I've, I've just started reading up quite a bit about it recently after yeah. my friend uh, pointed out that I had uh, some some certain qualities that maybe I wasn't aware that I had that weren't good or some of them were good some of them weren't and it yeah. allowed me to self-reflect I think that's the key right that we we always want to improve even if we have these bad habits that we're not even aware mm -hmm. of because we're lying to ourselves about them that's why we have these mirrors and these these, yep. uh, these these opportunities to to reflect and people say oh you never change you know ne leopard never changes its spots bullshit i think we absolutely have the chance to change and i think it's that narrative um that's the problem these these stories we tell ourselves limit us yeah. and we need to break out of that stuff i think well, people don't want to accept that they can change yeah they don't they don't absolutely and i think that you know like so therefore they don't <laughs> Yeah, exactly. People are lazy. I could, like we talked about. There's a lot of apathy, and there's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of pressure on all of us as well. Like especially now when we're like not sure whether we're going to be in work or whether we're going to be able to survive or whether we have family that dies mm -hmm. around us. You know, the pressures of we thought the pressures were bad before, and now we're like it's all ramped up a thousand times. So, yeah, man. Have you got any more questions? Because I haven't got much more time, and then we we should have a third round of this because I just love talking to you. It just oh. it just flows so well every time. Yes, mate. Um, I'm actually, I'm pretty good. I mean, we've done over an hour and yeah, time time is of the essence. So I've got plenty more that there's an infinite number of questions yeah. for an infinite number of times. So uh, we can, we can, we'll do round three for sure. Um, who knows? Hopefully it would be nice to do it in person. Um, I you, if not, I then this is just as good. Yeah, well, let's let's make sure that we do that, and I'm, I'll tune in next week for Chris's show, and I'm really intrigued to to see what you get out of him. Great, and uh, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy and uh, super switched on as well. So uh, let's let's keep talking, and uh, yeah, love you, man, love your show, keep doing the great work, and uh, let's let's keep chatting. And you, mate, thank you. Pleasure, mate. Yeah, speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much for tuning in. You've been listening or watching to Shifty Perspective. This was episode 21, and that was Carl H. Smith. Carl is always an interesting guest. Definitely going to have him on the podcast again. He is a scientist and a researcher, and I will put in the description a number of links to the talks that he's done and the projects that he is on. You can check him out on various other podcasts, and he's got a lot of talks online that you can watch. So, Please stay tuned for our next episode next week. We